Hallelujah. We are so grateful and so thankful to be in your house this morning, Lord. Hallelujah. We as the people of God are, are counted a joy and we counted a pleasure, Father God, and we are humble to be in your presence, Father. And Father God, we are here for you. We are here to worship you, Father God. We are here to sit at your feet, Father God. We are here to receive, Father God, your presence. We're here to receive of your spirit. We're here to receive of your truth, Father God. And we're here to respond appropriately to that truth in Jesus' name. Father, we're here that you might be magnified and glorified in our lives, Father God. And we just trust. We trust in you. We trust in your will. We trust in your word and your way, Father God, and we just surrender ourselves to you. And we pray that you get all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes it's a challenge as a man of God to preach the word. I'll confess to you that what I'm going to share today is not what I originally planned. I know y'all's experience is different than mine because, you know, whatever you plan, God just stamps, right? Holy Ghost interruption? But I still am yet thankful, and I just trust that God's going to flesh out some of the things as I share it um, as I shared uh, uh, this morning. And I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of John chapter 11. And I, I believe God wants to really speak to us concerning his resurrection power. I think he wanted to really speak to us this morning about him being the resurrection and the life. Not that someday we'll be resurrected when our time on this earth is done. But that he can take the things that are lifeless in our lives. You hear me? He can take the things that, that, that are, that are sickly, that are dying, that have even died. And, and, and we've given up hope on those things. And yet he has the power to breathe life into that which has become lifeless. Are y'all with me this morning? I feel like, uh, what's his name, Ben Stein, Bueller, Bueller. No, but I tell you what. Let me just, let me just shut up and get to it. John chapter 11 verse 1. And I'll read the first seven verses. Now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany. I'm reading in the New King James Version. The town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now I want to stop there for a moment because I relate to these young ladies. I've been where they are right now. Uh, uh, imagine in your mind the progression of what's going on here. You know, at first it, it probably didn't look too serious. At first uh, Lazarus probably had a, 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 some sniffles. He may have been the cold. It, it didn't seem as serious at first. And, and so they thought they could handle this thing. And so, so they probably prayed and they probably declared the blessing of the Lord on him and, 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 and did what they knew to do to try and handle the situation. These were not people that lacked faith. These were not people that knew Jesus from afar. He was close to them. There was personal relationship with them. He loved them. 
And I think that's worth noting here. He loved them. And, and so, you know, it wouldn't have been, I don't think it would have been, uh, I'm not getting on to them for not going themselves because it's appropriate for them to be with their sick brother, to take care of him, to tend to him. And it was a long journey to get to Jesus. Probably better for them to send messengers, to go send word. But you know what that equates to is our prayers. You know, they're sending out a prayer request. Lord, we need you. This situation that started off mild has gotten serious. Red alert, red alert, red alert. It's urgent. Hurry. Come on down. Oh, by the way, did I mention this is the one you love? It's urgent. We need you. Come now, Lord. Have you ever been there? A few people have been there. Man, the rest of y'all are fortunate. Have you ever been there? And they sent words saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. In verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Already we see developing here an interesting dichotomy. Already we see here, we we have the agenda of Mary and, and Martha. They have a need. They're asking the Lord to intervene to heal their brother so that he won't die. And Jesus, among immediately after hearing that, he says, okay, it's so far so good. This sickness is not going to be unto death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he loved him so much. And he loved them so much. He rushed immediately, straightway, to Bethany to tend to Lazarus. Oh, Okay, I'm sorry, I was reading the, the false prophet uh, edition. I'm sorry, uh, let me get to the right edition. Okay, no, he did not rush straight away. The one that he loved was sick on his deathbed near unto death, and he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then, after that two days, on the third day, after he was told that information, then he said, okay, to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Aren't you as confused as I am at his reaction? Again, this is not some stranger. This is not someone who who only looked at Jesus and what he could do as a matter of convenience for them and how how it could benefit him. These people communed. He'd been in their home. He'd eaten with them. He'd rested with them. He'd fellowship with them. They had a real, honest-to-God relationship, and he had a tender heart, and he had strong affections for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And yet, when upon hearing about Lazarus's woeful condition, he just sat there and chilled. Not for an hour, not for two, didn't just take a nap. He stayed where he was for two more days. You know, there comes a time in our walk with the Lord. And if it hasn't hit you yet, it's going to. We have to remember as much as the Lord loves us, he is about glorifying the Father. Amen? So in any way that he intervenes in our lives, yeah, it's because he loves us. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. Greater love can no one have than that he lay his life down for his friends. Amen? He laid his life down for us, so we cannot question his love. 
But we have a limited understanding about the way God moves. You know, and Mary and Martha, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but you know what? I'm just going to go with it. Mary and Martha were in a predicament. You know, in life, we can only expect, we can only expect from God what we know based on what we know. Our expectations of God is based on what we know. And there comes a time when God wants to take us to another place in understanding him. There comes a time when God wants to reveal uh, 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 another facet of his glory to us. You know, and and in those moments, that's going to come into conflict with what we know to be true and what we know our experience to be and where our confidence is in God. That's going to run right smack into the face of what the new thing that God is going to do, the new thing that God is wanting to do. And that's what's happened here. That's what's about to happen here. I'm sorry. That's what's developing here. Uh, let's skip on up to verse 11. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, <laughs> wait a minute. Now, <laughs> he's sick. Him being sleep is a good thing, right? He's, he's, he's sleeping it off. Rest is what he needs. Why, why would you go there to wake him up? That doesn't make any sense to me. Poor things didn't know that although Jesus was saying the word sleep, he meant that he had died. He said, they said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, come on, guys, Lazarus is dead. Let me just spit it out plainly. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to them. Now, I've always looked at this story in as it pertains to Mary and Martha, but they're not the only ones that Jesus is, is, is about to reveal a new facet of his glory to. And uh, you know what? Some theologian may have, may take issue with it or whatever, but I'm just going to go with what my little, my, my little mind can get with. I could just see him saying, you know what? I'm glad I wasn't there. Cause if I was there, I would have been moved with compassion and I would not have been able to resist laying hands on him and healing him before God could get the full manifest glory that he wants to get out of this situation. If I'd have been there, what I've always done, what you've believed, continued to believe me for, what you've seen me do, what you know I can do, I would have done. That, that glory has been revealed many times over before. You know I have authority over sickness. You know I have authority over demons. You know I have authority over blind eyes and, and, and deaf ears and mute tongues. You know those things. But, but I wanted to reveal something new to you. And if I was there, it wouldn't have worked out the way that it needed to work out. For God to get the maximum glory in this situation and for you to grow in the knowledge of him. Amen? Let me get to going here. Now, I'm not the best actor. So now Jesus is on his way. Go with me here. He's on his way. Days after the request was sent. I don't know. I didn't look it up. I don't know how long it took for the messengers to get from Bethany to to where Jesus was. I believe uh, uh, on the other side of Jordan around Bethabara. You know, I don't know how long it takes to get there. But this is how long they waited. However long it took them to get from Bethany to get the message to Jesus. And for them to get back. And Jesus waiting there for two days not doing anything 
as it pertains to their situation. Days. Now, on the one hand, Jesus is just relaxing, you know. Pass the fish, guys, and the loaves. Let's go and let's pray a little while. Let's just do what we do, but we're going to hang out here for a couple of days. Meanwhile, back at the ranch in Bethany, I can just see Mary and Martha, they're just wringing their hands. Where is he? The situation has gotten critical. Doesn't he know that we need him right now? Where is he? All those people, all the sinners that he's healed, all those sinners that he's touched, all those people whose lives he has transformed, surely he would be extra motivated to do a work in the life of the one that he loves. Especially considering how serious he is. Jesus, where are you? Where are you? Mary, Mary. How long has it been? Three minutes after the last time you asked. What time is it? You know, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that our urgency also belongs to God. He is no one under no obligation to consider what is urgent to us, urgent to him. But he's not beholden to our situation. He's Lord over all. Amen. He is not limited by our situation. He's Lord over all. Amen. And they're thinking, I'll just say, if Jesus does not come soon, listen to this, if Jesus does not come soon, all hope is lost. And I'm going to tell you, man, I've been there more times than I can count. And I've been there when I, what I was desperately pleading to God for, hanging in there time after time after time, trying to be a good soldier of faith. And he never came the way I wanted him to come. Now, if I'm preaching to myself, man, that's still a work. But if this is speaking to you, you ought to say amen. Now, I said earlier, what we believe God for a lot of times is based on our experience. You know, we grow in faith. Now, Why would they believe that if he didn't come soon, all hope would be lost? You know, as Christians, uh, you know, I I believe that while they knew Jesus to be, to have authority over all those situations, over diseases and sicknesses and all that, they didn't know him to have authority over death. So it was urgent, man. He's he's dropping fast. He's deteriorating fast. If Jesus doesn't come before death happens, then it's going to be too late. All hope will be lost. Jesus has to come now because I I don't have faith for what happens once death enters into the situation. If death happens, then it's all hope is lost. You can't contend with death. That may have been their declaration. And at any other time in their lives, that's how the situation might have ended. But, everybody say but. Not this time. But not this time. 
That may have been what they were fearful of. That might have been the declaration in their hearts. And a lot of times, the reason why we're so urgent in our pleas for the Lord, a lot of times it's not rooted in faith, it's rooted in fear. A lot of times it's worry. A lot of times it is, hey, the limitations of our faith, whereas if it doesn't happen the way I understand it can happen, then as far as I'm concerned, all hope is lost. And there comes a point where it's time for our faith to grow that the Lord's going to work that thing out in a way that's going to change your paradigm, in a way that's going to expand your faith and let you know, hey, that the limitations you thought I had ain't got nothing on me, baby. I'm still Lord overall. Kind of scattering a little bit, so y'all go with me, all right? As Christians, we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. As his disciples, there are times in our walk, in our Christian walk, where he doesn't want to do the same thing he's always done. There are times where he wants to go beyond what we know him to be capable of, beyond the glory he's already revealed to us concerning himself, and instead reveal a new facet of his glory to us. Amen? That is what's happening here. This is one of those times in the lives of Mary and Martha, a time the Lord chose for new glory to be revealed. Thank you, Jesus. Verse, let's skip up to verse 17. Jesus still hasn't arrived. He's outside of town. He's He's about to start his business now. Amen. Verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. Didn't Jesus just say earlier? Let let, let me, let, let me get it. Let me get it. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Uh oh. What must he have been talking about? But obviously he died. You don't, you, you don't go in, into a tomb unless you're dead, right? And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to, con- to comfort them concerning their brother. And we'll get to that. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she couldn't even wait. She went and met him. He couldn't even get in the city limits. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, I don't know if she just didn't hear. I, I kind of doubt that, though. I kind of think Mary was like, oh, you go. I can't even talk to him right now. I can't prove it. It makes for a nice story, though. It, 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 scripture is silent on that. It, it, it you could go either way. Either she, word hadn't gotten to her yet, it got to Martha first, and Martha bolted, didn't even tell her sister. Or Mary just wasn't quite ready yet, you know, to run out and, and, and face the Lord right now. You know, and if that's where she was, I can relate, because I've been there too. Come on, man, let's go to church. Ah. Pull the hamstring. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that well. My alarm, I feel like my alarm ain't gonna go off this morning, uh, tomorrow morning. I'm speaking prophetically on that. I, you know what? I, I, I am inclined to believe that she just wasn't ready yet. Jesus wasn't mad at her. She wasn't ready. She wanted to stew a little bit longer. She's still probably trying to understand how in the world. I, you know, they all had a good idea of how long it would take. It should have taken for him to get there. 
What could he have been so engrossed in? What could he have been doing that would cause him to be so late in coming and responding to the desperate need of those he loves so much? I just don't get it. And now it's too late. All hope is lost. Death has entered into the situation and there is no revival possible. There is no restoration. There is no resurrection possible. It's too late. He may as well go on to the next house. But Martha ran on out and Martha said to Jesus in verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you said something along those lines before? Lord, if you'd have made it, Lord, if you'd have answered, Lord, if you'd have done, Lord, if you'd have, if you would have, if you would have, if you would have, this thing would not have happened to me. And it causes us to wonder, what do we do? You know, in what way did I fall short? Why is he mad at me? When it might not have anything to do with your shortcoming. It may not have anything to do with him being mad at you. It may be a situation like this where he's not wanting to do the same old thing he's always done. That, that that there's come a point in your discipleship that he's wanting to teach you something new about himself. And I don't think she I don't think she was like, well, Lord, with all due respect, it, it kind of would have been nice if you'd have made it here earlier, but you know, no, I think she was like, Lord, where were you? If you'd have been here. This wouldn't have happened. Come on now. Don't, t- don't act like you haven't done that. Don't act like you haven't been mad at God. We don't say that in public circles, but, you know, when we're getting real, we get mad at him. Our emotions get in the way. But I love it. She said, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Ah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, and, and, and I want to encourage you with that. You need to have that attitude that she had. And Lord, hey, I know this would not have happened. Now, I don't know what the possibilities are. You know, I know... I may have lost hope in, in in what I was asking you for before, but even now I know you're still God. And even now I know you're still Lord. And I know that whatever you ask him, he'll do. There is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. Amen. Now, Jesus said to her, <laughs> your brother will rise again. Now, her response is based on her understanding. All right? Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day when that trump will sound, you know, and, and the dead will meet, you know, will, will meet him in the sky. And after that, those who are alive will join him. He said, no, 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 no. Jesus said to her, you're not getting me. I'm not talking about one day. All right, uh, I'm about to reveal something about me. It, it, it's not about a day. It's it, it, it's about me. All right, it's about the Lord. He says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. It's not just something I do. It's in my DNA. It's who I am. Life is not just something I give. I am the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. (laughs) 
and now don't get me wrong, I am not slamming these ladies at all. Because to me, this gives a, a peek into her heart. She's not turned her back on the Lord at all. She's she's upset. She's confused. She doesn't understand why he didn't do for them what she's seen them do, um, seen him do hundreds of times before. Doesn't understand why he didn't make it, but he's still her Lord. Amen. And she's making some awesome proclamations, man. She's making some awesome declarations. I know you are Lord. Uh, my faith hasn't wavered in you on that front. I, I've given up hope in that situation I was trusting you in, but 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 you're still Lord, and I'm still surrendered to you. Uh, let's go on. Uh, verse twenty-eight. And when she has said these things, she went her way. And secretly called Mary her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town. He still hadn't made it there, but was in the place where Martha had met him. And then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. And then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That same anguish in her heart, the same anguish in her spirit. She was in the same place in her faith. If you had been here, he would not have died. I I know that. That's not unbelief. That is just where they were in their faith. Does, does that make sense? So if you can, if you see yourself in them, that's not unbelief. That's just where you're at in your faith. But there comes times where God will put us in a crossroad situation where the limits of our faith comes into, comes face to face with that new glory that he's ready to reveal. Are you hearing me? And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not, I've never been a sugar coder. You know, if you haven't been there yet, it ain't a lot of fun when you're there sometimes. Oh, it's glorious once it fleshes out. It's a wonderful and beautiful thing as you begin to see God reveal himself in greater glory and greater measure to you. It strengthens your faith. It strengthens your ability to trust in him. It, it, I, I tell you what, it, it's wonderful when you reach the backside of that. But when you enter in, it's a tough place to be. And you have to be strong and committed. You know, you have to have resolved in your heart who he is. I mean, resolved. You know what? I don't understand this mess. I don't know why my prayers didn't get answered the way that I wanted them to be answered. But Jesus is Lord. He's still the son of God. He still died on the cross for my sins. He's still resurrected on the third day. And in him, I have life everlasting. Amen. He is still the manifest glory of the Lord our God. That doesn't change. But she hits him with the same statement. In verse 33, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And, you know, when I read that, I thought about what he said to his disciples when he said, you know what, I'm glad I'm not there for your sake. I would have started groaning in the spirit. I would have been moved with compassion. I would have started weeping. And I would have just said, be healed. <laughs> I didn't even want to go there. I just I stayed where I was for two days. It would have been too much, you know, because, you know what, I would have been so tempted to do what you asked me to do. 
Does that make sense? Mary and Martha, and I know I'm repeating certain things, but, you know, I just think that they bear repeating. The only issue in this situation was they were, I think they were just limited by the limitations of their faith. They knew the glory of Jesus making the blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and the sick well. They knew that glory. They had witnessed him perform such miracles and heard countless testimonies as well. But death was the thousand pound gorilla in their minds. All of their faith, all of their mental and emotional energy was about avoiding death. Because if it ever gets to that point, if death enters a situation, remember what I said? Was in her heart. If death enters a situation, all hope Come on now, when y'all were fellowshipping, y'all were a lot louder than that. When death enters a situation, all hope is I believe that's where their mindset was. I think it bears it out in the passage. It was the fear and sting of death that Jesus wanted to liberate Mary and Martha from. He wanted them to know, hey, I am Lord even in death's realm. You know, my, my, my lordship does not stop at the doorstep of death. You don't have any reason to fear that anymore. How do I know this? Because I am the resurrection and the life. Now he's declaring this before he ever resurrected. This is pre-cross. And he's revealing this glory. He's revealing this truth about himself to those who are dearest to him. Amen. The disciples are all with him, the closest to him. The disciples are all with him. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, uh, he's with them. And anybody else, the whole crowd that was there to comfort them, they're all about to get a marvelous revelation of the Lord. But that's what he wanted to liberate them from. In this story, it's a physical death. But you know, we're desperate a lot of times and we're crying out to God and we're, and we're, and we're riddled with fear because we're afraid of the death of something. Something that, you know what, if this thing dies, if this thing, if, if this thing folds, if this thing does something, it reaches a certain point, then as far as I'm concerned, all hope is lost. Lord, just don't, don't let it reach that point. And that may be your declaration, but that's not his. It may be your declaration, but, and that declaration may be motivated by the limitations of your faith, but, but, but he's not beholden to it. He's Lord in that situation, no matter how it turns. You hear me? Now, don't get me wrong. It was never the Lord's intent for Mary and Martha to lose hope. They came to that place on their own. Based on their understanding at the time of how the Lord works, as well as their understanding of the might of death. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you what I heard somebody else say. I'm just, you know what? I'm going in my understanding. And what I know of the Lord, it is never his intent for us to lose hope. You know, if we get to the point to where we lose hope, then we're believing a lie. 
Paul said, we're not as those that have no hope. You know what? We, we, we don't sorrow like them. We don't, we don't have the same perspective because there is no such thing as our not having hope as long as we're in the Lord. And that is the truth even in the middle of a situation that appears to have no hope. Don't let the situation lie to you. Our hope is in Jesus. You know, typically we handle life based on what we know. Wouldn't you say that? You know, we, you know, we usually raise our children the way our parents raised us. You know, we process information, you know, the way we were taught to process information. You know, we, you know, our, our parents' values become our values. And, you know, it, it, all of this thing, we, 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 we see life through the prism a lot like our parents and our family saw life. They passed those things on. But whether you got it from your parents or whether life experiences shape your perspective, we typically handle life based on what we know. And based on what they knew, they cried out and pleaded with the Lord in the desperate hope that he would intervene and somehow prevent that which was deathly ill from dying. But once death happens, what can you do? What can you do? We're about to find out that Jesus is about to teach them that even death is subject to his lordship. I am the resurrection and the life. Man, that's powerful. Is that not powerful? Verse 34, and you know what? I probably could have uh, not done just about every verse in this chapter, but that's just how I was led to do it. And without even knowing this, you know, Todd was like, you know, brother, I just think you need to preach right now. And doing it this way, it it, it, it can take a while. But I want you, I, I really hope, that by the end of this message, you really, really will have gotten and, 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 and let it sink into your heart. The message that the Lord is conveying to you. And I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this message to really respond to the Lord and let him minister to you. So I want you to keep your heart open and just as you're listening to the, the, the message continue, as you're listening to it, just be reflecting on what the Lord might be saying to you. Be reflecting on some of those heart attitudes that, that you may be able to relate to with Mary and Martha and the, and the disciples and those present. Maybe you're in a situation right now where you've had that fear where you've had that, that, that fear of death, where you've had, where you have lost hope. Maybe it was a word, a prophet, a prophetic word that was given to you. Maybe a word of knowledge, maybe a promise that God gave you. And the way circumstances have unfolded, you've lost hope. Maybe instead of it being Lazarus, maybe it's something precious. Maybe, you know what I'm just going to say? Maybe it's your integrity. Maybe it's your purity. Maybe you've lost something that, and that you think you can never get back. All hope and being restored in that area is lost in your mind. 
Jesus is saying to you that he is the resurrection and the life. The dead can live again in Jesus. Maybe it's a relationship that has gone south. That's on death's door, as it were. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It is not beyond his reach. Jesus says in verse 34, Where have you laid him? Why would he ask Mary to do that? Why would he ask them, where have you laid him? I I, I was compelled to ask that question. Do you really think he didn't know? I mean, come on. Do you really think he didn't know? No one from the town of Bethany informed Jesus that Lazarus died. That was a pretty good distance. He just sat there for two days and said, you know what? He sleeps. Let's go wake him up. If someone had, how do you know, Cornell? I'm glad you asked. If someone had informed him, then his disciples would have heard the message also. We know they had no clue because of how they responded when Jesus informed them that Lazarus sleeps and that he was going to wake him up. They're like, if he's sleeping it off, why not let him sleep? If a messenger had come and told him that they died, uh, told him that Lazarus died, they wouldn't have responded like that. So how did he know? They were like, but Lord, <laughs> Jesus had to plainly tell them that Lazarus dead. And you know, how do you know? He was informed in the spirit. The Holy Spirit revealed that information to him. I refuse to believe that he had no clue where they laid him. He had to have a reason for that. So going back to the question that Jesus asked Mary, where have you laid him? I don't believe the question was for his benefit. He wasn't trying to learn something. I don't believe he asked a question he didn't know the answer to. I believe the question was for the benefit of Mary, Martha, and all that were present. They didn't know it at the time, but Jesus was getting them to partner with him in a miracle that would reveal him as the resurrection and the life. Jesus is basically saying, you just had an experience where you felt I let you down. One that's shaken your faith and caused you to give up hope that what has become lifeless can be resurrected. Take me to the place that symbolizes your disappointment, your pain, and hopelessness. Take me to that place. No, no, no. Don't just tell me about it. Take me there. Let's go there together. There is glory to be revealed, but you've got to go to that place of misery in order to witness it. You hear me? You've got to go to that place of misery in order to witness the glory that is to be revealed. don't, Don't just send God there. Take him there. Let him meet you there. And she did it. Uh, I've gotten ahead of myself enough. Uh, But he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. So they're partnering with him. All right, let's go. We're going to take you there. And Jesus wept. He seemed kind of half-hearted. He seemed kind of disinterested. He didn't, he didn't reflect. His actions didn't reflect how much he truly loved them when he first got the message. But you're seeing his heart. A few verses earlier, he said he groaned 
within him. He groans in the spirit. Now he's, he's weeping. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. You know, they're like, man, look at how much he loved that man. It was all over him. It was easy to see. It was unmistakable. <laughs> and there's always some people who will spoil the party. Right in the next verse, right after they said, man, look how much he loved him. Then they're like, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? I mean, couldn't he, couldn't he have, couldn't he have gotten here in time? And then Jesus again, verse 38, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Now, <laughs> I tell you, let's go. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, again, understanding. Lord, by this time there is a stench. It's what the New King James Version said. This is a stench, for he has been dead for a day. I don't know if you realize this, but let me emphasize to you what to expect if that stone were to be rolled away. Now, this isn't a matter. Sometimes we have these issues that we go through, and we don't want the people to know. You know, so we kind of, we, we kind of cover it up. We put it in our own little private cave. But to me, that doesn't apply here. Because everybody know that Lazarus was dead. Everybody was there to comfort him. All right? So this is not one of those times. All right? And so, 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 so that's not the case. She's just saying, Lord, we already know what's behind that stone. And if we roll that stone away, <laughs> there, there's going to be a new element added to the air. It's not going to be very pleasant. You know, but when you're in that place of your misery and, and, and the stones begin to get rolled away and, and, and everything and, and it begins to be bare and open, it's never very pleasant, is it? But we have to be willing to go to that place of misery. And we have to be willing to roll that stone away and, and give the Lord full access to that miserable place in order for the glory that he wants to reveal to us to be revealed. Are you still with me? And that provokes Jesus' response. He's like, well, Lord, it, oh, wrong page. Martha reminded him okay well I stopped short of printing a page so I'm going to have to get there y'all All right. Forgive me, please. Wait a minute. I can do this. <laughs> Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. So, again, Jesus like, Lord, this is not for my benefit. Everybody standing here beholding this whole thing, I'm doing this for them. I, I know you always hear me, <laughs> all right? But you're doing a new thing. And so, I'm, I, I'm not going to shortcut anything. This is for your glory. It's the reason I'm here. 
It's the reason this is being done the way that it's being done. And, and, and they need to understand that as this thing is coming to a head, as this thing is coming, reaching its conclusion, they need to understand that at the end of the day, this whole thing was done the way that it was done so that you could be glorified and, and I could be glorified through this situation. He asked them one question. Where have you laid him? And then he gave him an instruction to roll the stone away. Take me there. Take me to your place of misery. And give me, I want the full experience. Give, give, give it all to me. Just, just give me full access. You know, I'm not afraid of the smell. I'm not afraid of any part of it. I want to, I, I want to, I want to be a part of all of it. Cause when I redeem, when I resurrect, I, I, I'm taking care of it all. There's going to be nothing partial about what I'm about to do, says the Lord. Amen. No, no, no need for shame. You know, no need for, no need for hiding anything. Just, just, just let it out. Just give it to the Lord. And I'd be remiss if I didn't also say, you know, he didn't need access into the cave for real. But again, that tomb was the place of their misery, of Martha's and Mary's misery. That was the place of it. Within that tomb was the source of it. And that was the death of their brother. And Jesus was, he knew at the, he knew at the beginning that he was going to say, come forth. He could have commanded an angel to roll the stone away if he wanted to go in there. He could have just commanded the stone to disintegrate and it'll just turn to dust if he wanted to go in there. But Lazarus needed to have the ability to come out. And he came out still bound in his grave clothes and he said, loose him, let him free. You know what? How many even know he who in the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Todd, would you and the worship team mind coming up, man? Uh, ministry team, if you guys wouldn't mind coming on up. You know, <laughs> I'm just the messenger. And it humbles me that the Lord uh, has enabled me and graced me to preach his word. And I just believe that no word, that when God's word goes forward, it goes, it goes forward for a purpose. And if you're here today, I believe the word was for you. Was it for everybody? I don't know, but I know it was for somebody. And maybe you're that somebody. What is your Lazarus? What is your source of misery? What is the source of your hopelessness? Maybe you've cried. I don't, maybe you're at a place right now where you've been crying out to the Lord. And you're in that two day delay period. Maybe Jesus is just sitting there delaying. Please know that he's not toying with you. Your answer may not have come yet, but your prayers are not falling on deaf ears. Consider today the end of your wait. Jesus is saying to you to come. If you know him here today, and we're not just talking about unbelievers, this message is to believers as well. This message is to you. 
if you know the Lord this morning and you're in that place of misery, the Lord is saying, come up here this morning and take him to that place in your heart. Take him to that place in your soul. Just bring it up here for the Lord. I want you to come. I want everyone to stand right now, right where you're, right where you're at in your seat. Everyone stand. And I want those who this message spoke to today, those of you who know that this word was for you. I want you to bring your Lazarus up here. One of the ministry teams will be available for you. The Lord wants to restore your hope. The Lord wants to breathe life into what you thought would never have life again. And maybe you've got a spouse that that you screwed up with so much. And you're wondering. You're thinking maybe all hope is lost. Maybe it's beyond resurrection. I'm here to tell you that it is not. Lord, I just thank you for For those whom you're dealing with right now, Father God, they may be contemplating, they may be thinking right now, may be wondering, Father God, if if they're supposed to come. If they're wondering, then I want to remove all confusion. If you're wondering, then you're supposed to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Take him to that tomb in your soul. Take him to that tomb in your heart. Roll that stone away. Maybe that stone is a hard heart. Just let your heart melt before the Lord right now. And avail yourself to him. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father God, for restored hope. We thank you, Father God, for newness of life. Hallelujah. We thank you for a greater revelation of you, Father God. We thank you for growth in faith. come against that lie that some of you may be thinking that you don't deserve God working in your life. That you think you deserve, that you're in a place that you deserve to be. And I want to speak to that lie in Jesus' name. Jesus died to give you life. None of us would be saved if it was based on what we deserve. So so don't let that lie prevent you from entering into what God has for you. This is not about deserve. This is about the loving heart of God and him wanting to be all that you need him to be in your life. So come and let him console you. Come and let him comfort you. Come and let him declare in those to those broken and lifeless areas of your body. Come and let him declare, come forth. Wow. 
that they may live again. Hallelujah. And while the saints of God are being ministered to right now, I want to speak to those who may not know the Lord here this morning. I want you to know that he loves you. I want you to know that God so loved you that he gave this precious Jesus, that, that, that he gave his only begotten son Jesus to, to suffer a horrible death, to die on the cross for your sins. 